0: Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, and Springfield, Massachusetts—one of the eight Springfields of The Simpsons. It's Morning Radio TBD. I'm your host Joshua with the Fitz.
1: Oh my God! I talk about a missed opportunity. I got my Fitz t-shirt in, and of course, it's this morning. I'm not. I'm not repping. I'm not repping the uh, the personality. I'm, I'm. I forgot to wear my my Fitz t-shirt. It would be worse if we were a video podcaster. It's true. Now, I, I mean, we're we're we continue to kick that idea around, right? Like that that golden little nugget that keeps floating to the top. Um, but uh, since we haven't pulled the trigger yet, um, I'm going to go ahead and just lie to the studio audience and say, "Yep, I'm wearing my Fitz t-shirt and uh, repping my personality."
0: There you go. See, mm-hmm. just trust us.
1: Uh, no, before th- we started
0: recording, though, listeners, uh, you better believe uh, Ryan just brewed himself a nice fresh cup of Java, and I learned that he has an espresso machine desk side.
1: Yeah, I have I have a, I have a desk espresso machine. So okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like we've gotten into this before, but I, I guess I should just put my cards on the table so that the whole world kind of understands this and that our, our listeners have a grasp on it. I, I truly love coffee. like it it, it, is, it is one of like my it's one of my few one of the few things that I just I, I love everything about it. Um, my, my mom often apologizes when I go home to visit. Cause she's like, I know the coffee's not going to be as good as the way you make it. And I, I, I truly don't care. I just love coffee. I love hotel coffee. I, cause I know that it's going to be a very certain kind of bad. And so I'm like, I, I kind of look forward to that, like bad hotel, hotel coffee taste. Um, so in my home, I have no less than nine different ways of making coffee. And my newest venture and I say newest just because it's it's like only over the last like two or three years uh, has been espresso. And I have a proper um, prosumer uh, espresso machine in my kitchen. Um, it's a Gaggia. I love it. The thing's built like a tank um, and it makes very lovely, proper espresso on my desk because sometimes you just need an afternoon pick me up. And I don't want to go through my my little ritual of, of making coffee. I have a Nespresso machine. Um, it's a tiny little like pocket-sized one that I first saw in a hotel. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I need one of these. Now, this was before I was aware that Nestle was necessarily one of the more awful companies in the world. So Um, I made the mistake of buying a Nespresso machine. Now, technically the one that I have was made by DeLonghi, so I think that there might be some separation. Uh, But I do not put Nespresso pods into it. Um, I actually did my research and found a coffee company that makes Nespresso pods, or the little espresso capsules, uh, that ethically sources their, their coffee, and that's the only kind that I put in there. So I'm drinking some Don Francisco this morning. Out of a tiny clear glass. Tiny clear glass, yep. It's a double shot. It's a Lungo. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so,
0: for those of you keeping track of the uh, bougie meter at home, <laughs> it's okay. It's a n- tiny Nespresso
1: machine. My, my, my mini DeLonghi is actually pretty bougie. Like, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest about that. Like, there, it's, it's completely unnecessary. Like, why do I have this? But I love it. It's, I, it actually used to be literally on my bedside on the uh, bedside table so that I could roll over in the morning and just close the little clamp down and it would make me coffee as soon as I woke up. That part I actually appreciate. Um, I'm not a coffee drinker,
0: but I I do appreciate that, uh, you seem to be aware that you are one of those people that are like, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. So you've taken the step to be like, well, before I even get out of bed, I better have my coffee. I better
1: I better have at least an espresso shot before I, I, I get going. Yes, that's
0: that's taking personal responsibility. And I respect that.
1: And and to be I mean, it, to be totally like transparent, I have actually made a a sincere effort to cut back on some of my coffee consumption because it was getting a little out of control. Um, and so these days, my full coffee consumption for the day is usually one espresso, one cup of coffee, and one decaf. And I drink the decaf truly just because I like the taste. Like, I, I just I just want the taste of coffee at some point in the day. Um, so I'm down to uh, technically one and a half coffees uh, from a place that was maybe unhealthy at one point. But how's your daily water intake? Are you staying uh, hydrated? Yeah, I, uh, I have a... Thirty ounce and twenty ounce um, like hydro flask, and each one of those gets filled at least twice.
0: I'm drinking a Poland Spring, oh, uh, water, which I'm pretty sure is one of those that are like owned by Nestle. Poland's it's finest. It's just, uh, yeah, Poland's spice finest from, uh, I don't know where this is from, but you know, bottled Poland. in like Stamford, Connecticut. Oh, it's oh, okay. not. It's not. It's not actually it's, from Poland. It's not actually this. It's, it's proudly sourced in Maine from. Oh, okay. A bunch of different springs, I guess. Uh, I love how on the label they added this thing. It's like it's made better. It's helping to conserve springs. No, you know what would help conserve springs? Not bottling their water. Not drinking the water from them. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, but this was complimentary at the hotel, so I'm staying. Right. right yeah. There, exactly. So. Exactly.
1: Yeah, see, there, there's something there's something about like hotel amenities that I'm just like I, I have a I have an affinity for.
0: Well, I take a special glee whenever they have water bottles in the room. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times there's one bottle that's marked complimentary, and then the other one that's marked seven to eight dollars. Right. Uh, guess which one is the Evian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll say this. Uh, when it comes to my um, bottled water bougie-ness, uh, if I feel like I want bougie bottled water, there's only there's only one. It's Icelandic Springs. And it kind of looks like a little glacier at the top of the bottle. That's, that is the... If I'm going to spend water, money on bottled water, it's going to be Icelandic Springs. If I just want a bottle of water, I don't give a damn. I'll drink Tasani. I... Oh, you lost
0: me at the end there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, so I prefer Dasani over Aquafina. I hate Aquafina bottled water. There's something about the taste of it. Uh, okay. So probably, I don't know, two or three years ago at this point, Yeah, my wife and I actually, we did a water taste test. No kidding. Where we took, yeah, I took uh, um, the Hawaiian, like volcanic bottled water. We took an Italian one, uh, Evian, uh, the Icelandic glacier one. Like yep. all these, and we we just did taste testing to really kind of bring home like what are the nuances in their flavor, and like how much is it? We were like, I wonder how much of it is the filtration, or how much of it is just the source, interesting in yes. where it comes from. And so, um, my favorite bottled water, yeah, is Evian. Okay, second is the Icelandic.
1: Ah, all right.
0: Uh, for my wife, I think it was the. Italian one, which was also pretty good, but I don't remember. San I don't Pellegrino remember what it was called. It wasn't San Pellegrino. Okay, it was um, another one, but I can't. I, I can't place what it's called off the top of my head. But yeah, it was. It was very interesting to uh, taste the nuances of water.
1: Have you uh, tried this new competitor that's entered the ring? Um, Liquid Death. I love Liquid Death. Liquid Death. I I did not want to like it because I was like, this is so much fucking hype, and I'm I'm not I'm not about it. But it's it's really good.
0: I love the marketing. The marketing's around. outstanding. Yes. It is way overpriced. Way. <laughs> it is way hilariously overpriced. overpriced. Um, but yeah, I really I I enjoy uh, murdering my thirst on the daily Murder basis. Murder your thirst,
1: yeah. I just, I, I, every time I have a liquid death and look at that price tag, I'm like, you know, it's just preparing us for the water wars of the future. So, like, you know, yes, like, let's insulate ourselves now and start getting used to this sticker shock.
0: Uh, but they're are different flavors. They're different um, club soda flavors yeah, are really good or seltzers, are. and um, they also have a line of teas which I am addicted to
1: oh i didn't know that
0: mm-hmm. i might have to they try have that. the grim leafer
1: oh love it oh my god that's
0: awesome the armless palmer <laughs> and i don't remember what the peach one is called Um, uh, but yeah they're delicious and they're they use agave so they're still uh, in terms of bottled tea yeah uh the calorie count's pretty low lower
1: on the glycemic index and all that that's nice so
0: pretty uh here we are in, endorsing companies that have not sponsored us
1: that have not sponsored us no great job <laughs> <laughs> um i mentioned this on our other podcast and i have to mention it here as well because it's it's true in both places we have crossed the thousand listen mark uh for uh for our podcast here so between the two of them we actually have uh, over 2,000 um, close closing in on like 2,500, but uh, yeah, we're, um, we're over 1,000 for, for this podcast. That's great. It is. T-
0: tell your mom I said thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, 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 I will. I, I, I certainly will. Pam, I know, is making her way through the back catalog as well, so those numbers continue to ratchet up every time.
0: No, and uh, so thank you, everyone. Seriously, thank yeah. you, everyone that's listening. Continues to listen. Um, we want all the all the feedback you can give us. Uh, please do. What, yes. what do you want us to talk about? What could we improve on? Dial back um, chocolate or vanilla? All that good stuff. Like we want to <laughs>
1: know. It actually might be an interesting. I might put that in the uh, the question section uh, this week. Is we can start. Um, crowdsourcing topics to discuss and uh have our if if our listeners want to write in leave a review uh you know uh, uh, just let us know what you want us to talk about and we'll uh, we'll discuss your chosen topic can't guarantee you'll like our take like yeah, but we'll we'll talk about it yes um we are strong independent thinkers
0: <laughs> we have not been bought yet <laughs> yet <laughs> heavy on the yet <laughs> yet oh man Um, It's been a big uh, week or so um, since like, so here's the problem, Ryan, I am beginning to be convinced that we cannot record this podcast until like 3 a.m. on Sundays.
1: I mean, especially because as our our dedicated listeners know, we usually drop right around, you know, 5 or 6 a.m. on Monday morning, but we do not record that early on Monday. We are usually recording at some point in the week before sometimes much earlier in the week before like our last episode was recorded on tuesday or wednesday the week prior um today is friday it's it's friday morning it's it's almost 8 a.m uh central time anyway um so our our hot takes should still be pretty lukewarm by the time uh, this hits the news uh on on monday morning but yeah like shit just keeps happening in the interim and because we record weekly uh it's like oh my god there's so much to cover
0: yeah and so we recorded we were like okay hey that's going to be a great episode and then big news crap happened
1: yeah and, all over um, the place
0: yeah all over the place uh a i had ai help me oh um, okay to kind of recap what happened since we last recorded great um here's what i've got okay uh Diane Feinstein passes away while Taylor Swift is ousted from a football game for bringing an emotional support alligator. Runs for Speaker of the House.
1: Yep. All oh, that sounds about right. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah, that's, I think. I think that's. Pretty sure that's the. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds legit. Um, so Diane Feinstein passed away, and we um, on a previous podcast were discussing how. Unfortunate it was that she was still in her seat. Um, I do think, in her passing, we should take a moment and actually acknowledge the true trailblazing career that she had. Because the more I reflected on, like, like don't get me wrong, I, I still stand by the people who propped her up and continued to push her into uh, into the Senate, and I, I still think was like borderline elder abuse. I like her her last days. I think were were spent um, in ways that. That feel unethical to me. That said, her as an individual and her political career was one of true import and impact, and we would be remiss not to acknowledge um, the the incredible achievements uh, that she um, that she had and and the the glass ceilings that she shattered uh, on on her way through her political career.
0: Yeah, and I don't I don't want to take that
1: away from her. It just it
0: unfortunately. Does get overshadowed uh, much in the same way that Ginsburg has a bit of a shadow on yeah on her career because of dying on the job
1: yep it's it, it, it's a hard it, it it continues to be a hard learned lesson i think to um like walk away on top um <laughs> honestly one of the the most interesting movies to to try and approach and handle that topic was Rocky Balboa from like two thousand and six where you know, Rocky in his 60s decides to fight a, a current heavyweight uh, fighter because he like can't let go, and he needs to, and just that lesson of like him him having to learn the hard lesson of your time really is past, and that's okay. You know, it's it's okay to be very proud of your accomplishments and to have done great things, but there there does come a point where you have to let go, and. Um, I think especially in politics where uh, people get addicted to the the power or likely in the case of Dianne Feinstein, the people around her got addicted to the power into the influence and they didn't want to let it go. So they continue to prop her up because and I I, I say this with all the empathy in the world. I truly don't know that um, Senator Feinstein was fully aware of what was going on around her in her last days like she her, her dementia was just so advanced that I, 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 don't, I don't know it was, it was very sad to see that um, uh, to see that ending for her um, especially considering that this was the woman that announced um, the assassination of Harvey Milk and would go on to succeed him and then go on to become the first female senator in from California and uh, and to have a, a huge outspoken voice on all kinds of like this is she was the one who advanced the uh, the CIA torture report and basically exposed that the government was dr- doing um, demented and unethical things to people and that like put an end to some of those projects like those are accomplishments that really is is what we should be talking about. But unfortunately, like you said, there's a, a shadow because of how her last days were spent.
0: I think everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. And I am basing that just on how quick Gavin Newsom picked her replacement. Like, he had her waiting in the wings.
1: This this was actually something that um, I, I talked about a little bit with, uh, with our buddy Mike uh, um, during my trip this weekend was Gavin Newsom's... Uh, chosen replacement and he had um, he had already previously said he was going to choose a woman of color uh, yes. to fill that role and I'm sure he had uh, to take a page out of um, Mitt Romney's book I'm sure he had binders of women uh, that he was you know going through and being like oh, I'll pick one of these like um, a photo album right <laughs> yeah exactly uh, uh, it does seem like um, oh, I, her, her name escapes me now um, it's uh, I'll look it up yeah um, it seems like her credentials are pretty excellent, though, um, like he, very pro-labor, um, pro-women's rights, like definitely somebody who uh, is a, uh, an apt seat holder for Feinstein. I don't know that this woman has necessarily um, her eye on maintaining this position afterwards. I don't think that she's made it clear that she wants to stay in this seat. I think she's just, a, she's just going to be there for the time being. Lafonza Butler Lafonza Butler there we go which like something Napoleon Dynamite has ruined me on is the name Lafonza because it's Kip's girlfriend in the movie and like is that her name? yes I'm pretty sure and all I can hear is you know him it just it's so wholesome the way he's like Lafonza is the best thing that's ever happened to me I'm sure there's a girl out there for you Napoleon He's out. And he, he, like oh, La Fonda. Oh. La Fonda. Pretty close. Okay. Pretty but yeah. Close. Yeah. La Fonda. La Fonda. They're, they're, their love is so wholesome. I appreciate La Fonda and Kip. Well, yeah, when Kip's given that advice and uh, he's just uh, decked out in
0: <laughs> gangster wear.
1: Oh,
0: uh, no. Uh, that movie took me... It, it, it took me a few times to come around on because I watched that movie and I was just like, this is so weird.
1: I, I will never forget the first time I saw Napoleon Dynamite. Um, uh, the, the guys who introduced me to it said, we're going to watch this movie twice. And I said, explain why? And they're like, because you're, you're not going to like it the first time. And I was like, then why would we watch it a second time? And they're like, just, you got to trust us. Yeah. You got to watch it once and then you got to watch it again. And the second time through is when it clicks.
0: Yeah, you need at least, yeah. I haven't I, gone back and watched it in in years, but if it's playing on TV, I might let it run depending on where it is in the
1: movie. I I watched it very recently, like just sat down and watched it and it is a very it, it is it is peak millennial weird. You know, it is. like when you think about like our generation and the weirdness, it's peak millennial weird. Uh
0: do you want to talk about Taylor Swift liking football, or do we really just not give a shit?
1: I don't give a shit, but like, no, I, I mean, she's she's very popular, so maybe it'll bring in more listeners if we start talking about Taylor Swift. Yeah, I think football could be very good for her. <laughs> think you it think so? really That could probably really help boost her brand. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what Taylor Swift needs is a, a brand boost. Yeah, the NFL should should get on that. I I mean it it's it is astonishing to me though that she is such a um a cultural, uh, like, she's a cultural anchor. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a, I feel like if she had the same sort of, like, I don't know if ambition is the right word, but that's the word I'm gonna use. If she had, like, the same kind of ambitions as the Kardashians, Taylor Swift, I feel like, could have a multi-billion dollar empire at this point in in her life. Um, I think the fact that she is so music-focused and just has a love of the music, to me... I'm like that's a little more pure. I actually kind of appreciate that. You can say what you want about like her shifting musical genres throughout her career and whether or not she's you know as true to it as she used to be. I don't care. She really does seem to just kind of be about the music, and I appreciate that. Um, and uh, yeah, she's she's it's it is just interesting to me how much sway she has, uh, considering that like her announcement of going to this game to watch this football player play like overshadowed. The entire NFL for a week.
0: I think that she might be entering her football era. Eras. Era, and that's okay. She's allowed to like sports, I guess.
1: Of course, she is. She is this the this isn't the first um sports player that she's dated, right? I thought she was with a hockey player for a little while. I have no idea. I really
0: don't care. Sorry to keep any track of, of that. that uh i went to a hockey game this week oh did
1: you oh that's right i I feel like i saw the it was a lightning game didn't you
0: the lightning and florida panthers played a an exhibition game here in orlando yeah our infrastructure is not built for that kind of hype um (laughs) there's just there was loads loads of traffic downtown of people trying to get in i parked in the mud and paid 30 dollars for it it was ridiculous that sucks yeah yeah uh but the game was great um I think, uh, I don't know about you, but like probably my favorite Rodney Dangerfield joke of all time (laughs) is when he's like, I went to a fight the other night and a hockey game broke out.
1: Sure. Yep. (laughs) It sounds about right. That sounds like Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah.
0: And this game did not disappoint. And oh my God, did my kid eat it up. Did Uh, he? They God. There were so many fights. (laughs) There were so many fights. And it looks like there's like an unspoken rule in hockey is if like if shit's about to go down between two players, like everybody has to pair up because oh, yeah, that's yeah. immediately what happens. Everybody finds their dude that they're going to like wail on or run interference on or whatever, if there's a fight, but there's, there was like dumb little skirmishes, there's these dumb little like shoving and then the refs are all, and then there are times where these guys, like they like animate power up. They're like ripping off their gloves and it's a big, huge. It's a huge production.
1: And the crowd eats it up. <laughs> so, I used to be a big fan of. Well, I still still am a fan of. I just I can't get to their games anymore. But uh, Indie Fuel, which is their like A hockey team, right? Like they're they're not professional, but they they're, they're the, the minor league hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fight uh, chemistry of Indie Fuel games is very specific, and it I don't want to say choreographed, but like they knew. They knew what they were doing because it wasn't a fight every five minutes. You usually got like a like a teaser little, you know, somebody throws a couple here and there like early or late in the, in the first period. But what you would see happen as the game goes on is it would get very clear where the fight was going to happen. You would start to see two players like, you know, and they would hang on this tension the whole game so that the audience is on the edge of their seats, not because of the game, But because they're like, we know it's coming. That's good. And then midway through the third period, that shit would break loose and it would be it would clear the benches kind of fight. And that's when the audience just would lose their absolute shit. I I loved it. Like they they knew how to play the crowd.
0: That's yeah, that's wrestling levels of storytelling right there. That's (laughs) that's very good.
1: Yeah, it was very good.
0: (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I got to be honest, like it was so fun to be there. Um, Yeah. My wife was a little critical of the crowd, uh, because it was a very quiet crowd. Oh. Uh, and it was because like, it was a it was the arena wasn't it wasn't completely full, but there was loads more people there than I've seen at a solar bears game. Okay. And uh they were just loud enough, but
1: they're not like ah, you know, it, and it she was, was
0: looking for a little more Yeah. But she was like, yeah, well, in Canada, they really care. I was,
1: was going to say, uh, let's say, in Canada kind of moment, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: you know, we, we joked that, you know, what are the odds that she might recognize some of the players? Some of the- <laughs> and I was Is- like, well, at this point, it's probably their kids. She's like, oh, oh you're right. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, was your father John, and did he take class in- And. <laughs>
1: Uh, is Stamkos still with uh, with Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, I, that's I, I might be dating myself on that one.
0: I don't follow individual players. I, I okay. Don't recognize the name. Gotcha. Uh, but it was very cool, and it was nice that they came to I guess neutral ground for an exhibition game because the the season kicks off uh, this week, the week that we release. Uh, okay. NHL season kicks off, which I was like, that's crazy. Didn't you end in June?
1: All the sports seasons seem to really be dragging, you know, like yeah. I think of I, I think of football as a fall game. But like with all the new like, you know, the playoffs and the the, the championship games, like it's it's really starting to drag into like February. Um, baseball, I'm convinced just they play year round. I don't think there is a baseball season anymore. Like they're just they I would feel just that like, way about basketball. I felt like basketball was like all year round. <clears throat> really? For a while. Yeah, I. I guess I still think of basketball as a winter sport, but now that you mention it, like obviously March Madness doesn't start until well, March. March. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Part of March is in winter, so technically you're that's fine. that's true. Yes, that's that's true. Um,
0: <laughs> Come on, let's wrap this up before the twenty first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> before we get into springtime.
0: Well, we didn't plan on Purdue.
1: Uh yeah yeah so no I I agree though all the sports seasons just seem to be uh exhaustingly long now. You know, it's hard to keep up with them. They just they just keep going and going and going. Well, brace yourself because the Olympics are coming. The, it, the Olympics coming is I like how nobody has in the last 12 years truly done a winter is coming for the Olympics. Even the Winter Olympics even would have been a perfect opportunity because it's there's such a build up to the Olympics, you know. Yeah.
0: I think that was probably one of the years that they probably did a nod to it without it being too, like,
1: uh, <laughs> without them having to, like, pay royalties or something. <laughs> um, so here's a question for you, because I remember the Olympics being a, like, I always remember it being a cultural moment. Um, and I, I I still have that feeling about them up until around 2008. So, um, you know, probably going back uh, 16 years now. Um but it was, at, it was during a period where television, like linear television, still kind of reigned supreme. And so, uh, you, you know, people would be crowding around their TVs as a family, or um, like I remember these being, the, the, being on the break rooms at, at Disney um, back in that era. And you would watch the games, right? Like you'd watch, you'd watch swimming, you'd watch gymnastics, you'd, you'd watch, you know, all like the, um, the, the big triple A like sports. Do you think in the streaming era where things are so fractured and divided, um, do you think it still has the same cultural relevance as it used to?
0: Um, Not in the same way. I do think it matters, um, but I think where maybe some of that disconnect comes is that um, we now have other ways of accessing the content and getting the information uh, because most of the time we are on a delay. Yeah. Yeah. And so NBC has the Olympics down on lock. And if you don't have cable, uh, you rely on NBC, right? just straight NBC, yep. which will run their primetime coverage, mm-hmm. which usually covers track and field, right. diving, swimming, maybe some other random thing, and gymnastics. Right. Great events. Great but events. But that is all you can see. And now in the age of you know global internet and stuff you can find out the results when right. it actually happens rather than waiting for the primetime coverage which frankly still sucks half the time
1: the primetime coverage yeah yeah uh,
0: it's it's very slanted it's slanted <laughs> and it's edited and they'll cut stuff off and I'm like but I wanted to see more of that so now having you know being forced to have cable and internet I'm like well I might as well use it so during olympic season I I run it Nonstop in my house, like I'll be right. like, I don't care. I'll watch badminton, like it'll be running on NBC Eight Golf Channel. Um, <laughs> like I'll I'll have it on, and uh, I, I, this past year I got to see probably the widest variety of content, okay, uh, including I would watch the gymnastics when they're running, uh, which again it's on one of their affiliate stations, but they have like broad coverage. Right. Very little commentary, but broad coverage so you can see just about everything and which is when I go, oh, this is really long.
1: It is <laughs> It is
0: This is a long slog. okay. yeah, uh, I'll, I'll check back in for the prime
1: time. <laughs> uh, well, because everybody that gets to the Olympics isn't necessarily immediately competing for a medal. Like you know you you like take one event like balance beam, like everybody competes against each other. And then they take the best of that group and they all compete against each other on that one event. And then they take the best from that group who all compete against each other. So like it's, it is round after round after round of eliminations to get down to medals. It's not like everybody does it once. And then,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, you gotta, you gotta make it last. It's two weeks of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always controversy because some country is acting a fool Usually Russia. Usually Russia. And uh, there's just, you know, there, there's, there's crap.
1: If Russia would uh, stop shooting up their athletes with water buffalo testicle extract, the the whole mo- world could just move on.
0: Yeah. Or at least put it on the open market so that we can all try.
1: <laughs> I did hear a very funny um, take that I, I actually kind of appreciate this. Like, there should be two Olympics. One is drug test these people to hell. Like it, it, if, if it is not naturally found in nature, it should not be in their system. And let's let's have clean, good games. The other, no holds barred. It doesn't fucking matter. Let's find <laughs> out what the, the, the limit of human ability is. You can shoot whatever you want in your body and if you can jump 20 feet straight up because of it, great, let's find out. <laughs>
0: I I I support it. I, uh, not that I want people to hurt themselves, but it, um, yeah, like let's, Mad let's Max see what Olympics. Yeah, let's find um, out. <laughs> <laughs> we need one more, okay? We've got Olympics, Paralympics, Special Olympics. Let's 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 get let's some doped do up Olympics.
1: Some doped Olympics, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love uh, it. Uh the other thing I wanted to talk about before we get into our big story is uh it's Fat Bear Week.
1: It uh, is fat by bear the time week.
0: this Yes, by the time this episode comes out, um, I think there'll be, like, a day or two left of, of voting Josh, uh, for the Josh, Fat Bear Week Bears.
1: was at risk because of the potential government shutdown.
0: It was, and I think, you know, I think Kevin might have kept his job if he had just said, <laughs> I'm saving Fat Bear Week.
1: <laughs> I'm here to save Fat Bear Week.
0: Everyone would have been like... Well, all right,
1: fine. fine, fine. Okay, who, who can hate on Fat Bear Week? Yeah, who could? Uh, uh, I don't know people who hate bears. Who hates bears? Who hates bears? What's the one that's like always? He he's like a reigning champion, and his name's like Jumbo Jet or something like that.
0: Um, I just saw. Oh shoot, where is it? Oh, I must X out of it. Yeah, there there was someone who was uh, he who, he was someone. This bear he was like the 2020 and the 2022 champion. Right. Um. Yeah, and he was. He was a chonker. Um, yeah, so this comes out of the Katmai National Park in Alaska. Okay. And, uh, yeah. God,
1: these bears are so fat. They they are.
0: Which is great because I, I, I'm I used to seeing, honestly, I'm used to seeing images of the bears um, coming out of hibernation. You see how lean and mean they look. Like,
1: yeah. They're like, give me a fucking taco.
0: Um, <laughs> like, happy spring. Yeah. Uh,
1: Seven forty seven is his name.
0: Seven forty seven.
1: Yep. So the the past champions are Otis, Beadnose Otis, Otis, Beadnose Holly. Seven forty seven. Otis returns, and then seven forty seven. Otis seems to be. He actually seems to be is the 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 real reigning champion. He's the he is the heavyweight, but seven forty seven's making a run at it. <laughs> Good for you, Otis. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: This is this is amazing. And I don't don't recall a previous year that there was there was hype like this. So whatever my Internet algorithm is doing, great job for cluing me into Fat Bear Week and making this like a national story.
1: You you know what I heard of Fat Bear Week on for the the, the first time? And I'm going to plug another podcast, but they, they don't record regularly anymore, so it shouldn't impact our listenership. But it was the completely unnecessary podcast with uh Ian Ferguson and Pat Contry. And Ian Ferguson, um, the the co-host in that show loved Fat Bear Week. And the first time I ever heard of Fat Bear Week was uh when um when Ian brought it up and I was like, What what is this? And uh it is it's it's pretty freaking wonderful.
0: It's like yeah, and it's like brackets.
1: It is. It it is bracketed.
0: It's it's fantastic. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm here for all the fat bears, eat that fish, raid eat those that. picnic baskets, <laughs> do whatever it takes to win.
1: <laughs> okay. I might have to drop a link in, to this in, in the show notes. Um, are, you, are you familiar with uh, Awesome Games Done Quick? Nope. Okay. It's a yearly um, video, gaming, uh, video game speed running charity event. So for seven days, it is non-stop speed on display. And they usually hold it at like a convention hall. Um, and people, like, it's it's like a dial for dollars, right? Like, people, like, log in to support their favorite speedrunners and donate. All the money goes to Prevent Cancer Foundation. Um, they have literally raised every single year for um, the last 10 years at least $1 million. I think they're, they're, like, recently they're up in, like, the threes and fours in terms of how much money they re- raised for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. There is always, in Awesome Games Done Quick, a... Six hour block called Awful Games Done Quick. And they pick particularly bad games to speedrun. And one of them was called, like, Bear Driver or something like that. And it's the whole thing is you're a bear that woke up late from hibernation and needs to run out and get food quick. And the audience participation in that one is so fantastic because you literally just have, as you're watching chaos on screen, in the background you can hear the audience chanting eat the fish eat the fish (laughs) (laughs) as as, as the bear driver tries to hunt for a fish to eat so um yeah that's uh that's I, i feel like in celebration of fat bear week i should i should raise the profile of that particular uh uh speed run because it is truly hilarious and it's called bear driver i think that's what it's called um let me let me see if i can find it real quick uh um, because it is uh, it's just it, it, like it's it's one of those games where you're controlling like with with the mouse, you're controlling both arms of, of the character. And so it's Josh, I don't even know how to describe this. like the the way that it looks, it looks like something that you would have designed as a class project back in 2007. And you would nice. have shown, hey, I understand the idea of how physics are supposed to work in a video game, but I can't really control them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Well, if the makers
0: of uh, Goat Simulator want to get to work on Fat Bear
1: Simulator, uh, I'm uh, here for it. Goat Simulator was a oh Enviro Bear. I'm sorry, it was called Enviro Bear. Enviro Bear. Okay. Yes, Enviro Bear. But I, I just found the the link, and we'll uh, I'll I'll have to I'll have to link that uh, in the. Uh, in the show notes because it's it's pretty excellent uh so that's that's that's
0: good bear news fat bear Bear week is going strong yeah thanks to an averted shutdown and i look forward to seeing who who the winner is um i have some very unfortunate news oh dear uh our panda diplomacy isn't so good right now
1: Uh, uh our panda diplomacy okay go on
0: yes this is something People don't think about. So as you know, pandas come from one place on earth. Yeah. China. China. China and the US, they they ain't talking so good right now, right?
1: <laughs> not so not so good, no.
0: Well, all the panda contracts are up.
1: Oh our, our, do our pandas have to go back?
0: Yes. Uh I think as of right now, the only pandas left in American zoos is in Atlanta, and their contract is up in twenty twenty four.
1: I didn't realize that was a thing.
0: Yes, yes. Those those pandas are on loan from China. Wow! And it's it's actually a term, panda diplomacy. That is a thing that China uh, takes part in when it's on good relations with the you know countries across the world. They basically loan them pandas so that wow. their nations can see because it's you know all seriousness. They it's the only way you can see pandas. Right. And uh, yeah, all the ones that were here are heading back. I think the. It was a you can blink and miss it. News item this past week, though, was like the uh, Smithsonian Zoo uh, pandas were just sent
1: back. This is a um, geopolitical issue that most people aren't e- even like like I, I had no idea that this was a thing. This is obviously not on my radar. And no, I, why would it? We we spend time right. talking
0: about the uh, organized crime wave. We don't
1: talk about <laughs> we don't
0: talk about the terrestrials.
1: We don't know. We're, we're more concerned with the swarm at sea. cocaine sharks and whatnot
0: which is i mean big issue don't get me wrong but yeah it's a weird side effect of global relations yeah it's something you wouldn't think about but uh because to me pandas were a like they were the staple of like the san diego zoo right you know as you go see those pandas
1: i think i remember a period where the toledo zoo that i'll i'll go to bat for the toledo zoo any day of the week i think the toledo zoo in terms of like national zoos terribly underrated i don't think people realize how great the zoo at toledo is but i do remember a a time when they changed their logo to incorporate pandas because they had pandas on display and that was a big deal Uh, yeah pandas pandas are a huge draw like people love seeing pandas well they're idiots
0: they they are go look at like any panda video compilation online and you get why like they're adorable (laughs) and just so stupid yes they are (laughs) uh they they're just these little roly-poly fluff balls and just sitting around chomping on bamboo and what is close to like human sort of behavior
1: just very goofy human behavior yeah
0: yeah uh so yeah i just kind of stumbled across that they were like oh there's the, the the number of pandas are are dwindling hmm that's sad yeah so we need to get on it on our relations with china okay yeah uh for it's weird the sake it, of the pandas that's but that's one that's like a positive thing you can attribute back to like nixon
1: right he improved relationships with china
0: yeah so it was, was kind of weird but yeah i just wanted to mention that um yeah panda diplomacy the practice of sending giant pandas from china to other countries as a tool of diplomacy
1: well let's get it together biden Yes. Stop building walls that
0: you said you weren't going to uh, build, and uh, what the fuck? Give us. <laughs> Still not our top news story, but that just like just happened I, um, prior to this recording, so we can I, just I, mention it.
1: It's one of those moments where I go back to, like I, <laughs> Biden has shown moments where he has done upstanding, strong things in his role as, as the United States president. And then he does bullshit like this where he just kind of rolls over. Um, like in a period where the the Republican caucus is in complete disarray, Biden is going to build more of the wall because he's like, well, the funds were already allocated, so there's nothing I can do about it. It's like, really? There was nothing you could do about it?
0: I've heard this argument is that the, the funds are there. He is required to do it. He's, he's tried to delay and like get around it but he he can't so uh it has to be done and i was like
1: okay cynically speaking i think it has more to do with the fact that even in very blue cities like chicago and new york there is a a growing outcry over uh the the immigration crisis um which i like i get it we're we have a we have a fundamentally broken relationship with um, how immigration works in the United States. Building a wall is not going to fix that. Like it, it it just isn't. If if Biden wanted to do something that addressed that issue, he would begin like trying to push through true comprehensive immigration reform. Um, and uh, building a wall is like like re- You want to you know what you could have done that would have helped reallocate those funds to hire more judges for. Um, uh, immigration court cases right like just take some pressure off that backlog instead of building what 25 miles of bullshit i i
0: still don't think we have the right answer to immigration because the fact is there's probably multiple things that need to be oh, done there's a lot that at needs one be- time yep there's a lot and uh you know, you know the US is having its own immigration crisis but Europe is having its own what? migrant crisis
1: Exactly. And there's it's, a lot of parallels. It is. It, there's, and, and a lot of it has to do with the echoes of imperialism. Like, I don't want to get too deep on this stuff, but like we, the United States, have ruined a lot of countries in the global South. And in doing so <clears throat> by trying to, you know, like prop up dictators that were friendly to us by freezing the assets of entire countries um, and, and basically taking their money away from them, we have created a uh, Festering environments that allow for like rampant poverty, corruption, and, and truly horrific uh, authoritarian regimes to step in. And people are fleeing those things as they, as, as anybody would. It is like, it is our mess though. Like the, the, the bullshit in, in South America and Mexico did not happen in a vacuum. We have contributed t- quite a bit to it. And so we should be playing a role in, in cleaning it up. And I don't mean regime change, I mean, we need to be finding a way to give these people a better life. We gave them MTV. <laughs> what do they want? Yeah, no kidding. Jesus. Watch the real world. Yeah. <clears throat> Seriously.
0: All right, do we want to get into our big story?
1: I think we need to. I'm yeah. I'm like kind of giddy about it all. I'm trying <laughs> not you, to be. I thought you might be because we spent so much time talking
0: about this when we started the podcast. Yep. It was it was a news story.
1: Yeah. I know. The
0: house of representatives in the United States is currently frozen and not doing anything because there is no speaker of the house.
1: Oh my God. Who could have seen it coming? (laughs) (laughs) Literally anybody, anybody. First of all, like we, we discussed, uh, we, we've been discussing like the whole political gamesmanship and like knowing how to play the the political game. And like one of the, the craziest moves in politicking that has happened in probably recent history was Kevin McCarthy allowing the rule that it only takes one person to call for a vacating of the speakership um, in order to get the speakership. Like he gave them the gun that they held to his head. Uh, And like, even at the time, everybody was like this, this weakens him so much. And there was a lot of speculation. There was a lot of speculation that they were going to pull that trigger much earlier on. I think most people are actually stunned it's gone on this long. Uh, I am. Yeah. Uh, there are some names among the the people that voted against him that I was surprised by. Nancy Mace was one. I'm very curious what's going on uh, with, with Nancy Mace.
0: I am very surprised that it was not certain key names that I thought were going to be there. I
1: thought for sure Lauren Boebert would be on that list, and she was not.
0: Yeah. Boebert, MTG. Yep. They were... Santos he was not on there yeah actually, that is uh, we need surprising. to not forget about Santos uh, he is still facing indictments uh, his aide um, is, was just uh, found guilty for campaign guilty fraud yeah yep and is um, likely to
1: flip so yeah
0: the aide said that they were mentally seduced by Santos uh, that's a quote but you know anyway
1: you know you know it's a quote that I heard that I love. I, I, I think that they have kept it anonymous, but one of the other House GOP members said that the only reason Matt Gates is on Capitol Hill is to chase the teenage interns. And I fucking love that. Because he's the one who set this whole thing up. He's a disgusting human being. <laughs> and uh, I, I love that that's, that's where he is pissed off his own conference so much that they're like, yeah, Matt just wants to fuck teenagers.
0: Do you um, do you know who Matt Gates makes me think of, like just because of his face? Butthead. That's cruel to Butthead. No, uh, <laughs> I see how you got there, but Rike. no, it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. Okay. When he's with the Ghost of Christmas Present and the 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 kids that are like the little band and the one gets his face smashed in. <laughs> For the rest of that scene, he's just got he's, this very like scrunched up like face. Yes, <laughs> that was baby Matt Gates. Um, baby Matt Gates, yeah. He never healed from this. Sure didn't. From getting smashed in the face by a trombone. Um, but yeah, the, it was surprising. One that we kind of went British and made it superbly easy to get rid of the speaker. Yeah. Uh, he had to have known that this would happen.
1: That's what I that's what I don't understand. And, and like not only did he have to know that like this was coming, but he made cause I think the most stunning thing that's happened in the aftermath is that there's now this campaign to blame Democrats and basically say, well, oh, I the Democrats it. didn't didn't step up and save Kevin McCarthy. And it's like, but why would they?
0: Well, Even and from, I, yeah, like, I, I want to debate this is yeah. what would have been the right thing, quote, the right thing to do
1: even from the standpoint like like you were just saying like kevin mccarthy pissed off so many people and broke so many agreements with so many parties like who is voting to keep him in power um and yeah like of course the democrats didn't vote to to save this guy like what again why would they what's what's your take
0: so i have loathed mccarthy since january 6th and yeah. uh his um you know, he, he. I don't know if you re- remember when he had like the severe lip burn from kissing mm-hmm. so much Trump ass. Yeah, I, I remember um, the the treatment of Liz Cheney and uh, all all that maneuvering and just the the blatant like he wasn't subtle about it. I I could appreciate it if you were a little more like House of Cards about it, where you were just like de- truly like devious and not so obvious in your um, flip flopping and grasping at every little like fragment of power you can i i think on one hand he got what he deserved because yep. he should never have gotten the gavel in the first place um however i'm also conflicted because he was removed for bipartisan work
1: which is hilarious
0: yes because he and the in the eleventh hour cut a deal to keep the government open for 45 days. It wasn't a whole new package. Nope. It was just he approved the extension measure. Right. That the Senate had already been OK on. The Senate technically has a Democratic majority, but barely. But it was a bipartisan agreement. Right. Which means the Senate Republicans had to be like, OK.
1: But the fact that more Democrats in the House voted for that continuing resolution than Republicans was the last straw for mccarthy's republican detractors like they they, he painted a target on himself when he um i forget what the other like there was some other funding bill that he ended up working with biden on well because it was the one in the spring which was the the debt ceiling one debt ceiling thank you the debt ceiling yes these these two get very conflated yeah and they well the debt ceiling is something that we just shouldn't have but that's that's another discussion um yeah so the, the the debt ceiling one is what painted the target on McCarthy's back within his own conference because they it, they couldn't fathom him working with the Democrats. And then he did it again. But he's also broken promises to on, on the Democratic side. And to your point, this is the guy who on January 7th said Donald Trump bears responsibility for the mob rioters that attacked the Capitol. Weeks later, he's down at Mar-a-Lago with his face all the way up Trump's anus. Um, I don't even think it was weeks. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, it might have been because, yeah, it was after
0: the changeover. So I guess so. Uh, But yeah, it was, it was so rapid. Uh, What is fortunate though, right now to help kind of inform my perspective on this, because uh, I was having a dilemma over what the position on the Democrats should have been. The thing is McCarthy worked very hard to burn those bridges, even in the aftermath of it all and leading up to the vote, because he lambasted them, to the 11th hour and the republicans are like no and then the democrats are like really like right okay fuck you dude like okay that's what you want that's cool you know at least he went down with his principles (laughs) which change day to
1: day and and that's the thing is like he might have endeared some all and he wouldn't even have to get gotten the entire democratic Caucus, right? Like all he would have had to have done was endear himself to some Democrats who are in dangerous seats, right? Purple districts, um, and and do and say a couple of things that make them. And he, all he needed was a couple of them, and he didn't even. He he, he made no attempt to do. And it, the the rumor is, in like the eleventh hour, like as the vote was about to be coming to the floor, he reached out to Hakeem Jeffries. And was like, "Hey, can I count on uh, any of your uh, conference for some votes?" And uh, and Jeffries was like, "Are you are you fucking kidding? Like, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> like what you're calling you? now?" <laughs>
0: it was, yeah, I don't. Mm, mm.
1: So it's a misstep. The house is frozen because now the Republicans have to find somebody that they think they can get the entire conference to vote for, which is apparently going to be a bigger challenge than. Um, there have been some very interesting names floated, including Donald Trump. Which is a fascinating legal theory. That's so stupid. Here's who I think the Republicans should vote for for Speaker of the House. Are you ready for this? I'm sitting down. Hakeem Jeffries. Okay. Give
0: me me your your logic. That's hilariously flawed.
1: Uh Uh-huh. I think they should put a Democratic Speaker of the House up front. And the reason is leadership always takes the blame for the bullshit inside an institution. So... They could still continue on with their fucking chaos, freeze the government, break it all, because they are—the Republican uh, House membership is still in the majority. But— a Democrat would be at the top of the House. They'd be in the, the most um, public position in the House. And so it, how difficult would it be for the Republicans to say, well, you know, we just, you know, we, we, we thought we'd give the Democrats a chance at leadership and look what they've accomplished. Absolutely nothing. They, ha- they, they haven't been able to, even with their, you know, the person that they want at the top of, you know, the, the House of, of the Representatives, we, they just, it seems like they can't get anything done. Oh boy, shucks, you better give us the power again. I think the, the most cynical political thing to do would be for them to back Hakeem Jeffries and then break the House and blame it on Democrats. I think that's, the, I think that's what they should do. I think that is the move. So
0: you think that would be a long-term uh, winning strategy for like 2024 elections?
1: Well, see, this is the thing is people's memories are so short, they're only going to look at like, what's right in front of them. And it, nobody in by 2024 is going to remember this moment. They, they they're just they're not going to. Um, and so if they put Hakeem Jeffries at the top of the House of Representatives and nothing gets done because, again, the Republicans actually hold the majority. They could fix it so that nothing actually gets done. Then all they have to do is say, look at how dysfunctional things are under Democratic leadership. Democrats have the Senate, the presidency. We even gave them an opportunity. By taking the Speaker of the House, and they can't get anything done, you better vote us in, and I think that could work.
0: That is an interesting take. Don't think it's going to go that way.
1: I don't think it's going to go that that way either.
0: There's there's too much buzz buzzing for uh, Scalise and Jordan. God, Jim Jordan, I that, that's another uh, that's a whole episode. sheep's clothing. Yeah. Uh the the, the timing of this is all very fortuitous i am rereading the theodore roosevelt biography by edmund morris okay and um last night i was i i've reached the part where he uh was an elected assemblyman and went to albany Mm. and they talk about there the dysfunction in choosing a speaker for the assembly yes and because the republicans are on one end and then the democrats were fractured between like the tammany hall democrats and then like another group so they had the
1: the the switch in the party. this is
0: this is before the switch so theodore and theodore roosevelt was often accused of being uh just way way too liberal and okay and, and stuff so the assembly was fractured yep and they were paralyzed they couldn't get anything done because they needed to get a speaker and the democrats could not decide who to put forward. And there was a discussion about whether or not the Republicans should try to help in order to get Uh, the government open and running. And it was actually Roosevelt that pointed out that this was overall great for Republicans yeah, because they couldn't be blamed for nothing being done. This falls squarely on the Democrats shoulders and they needed to stand firm and let the Democrats figure out their crap, and just be ready to go mm-hmm. once things happened. And I was like, "Oh,
1: sounds this familiar." Is oddly prescient. <laughs> <just> sounds familiar. <laughs> sounds like the same shit. And I'm, and again, uh, everybody should recall that in the mid nineteen forties fifties, the parties switched. There was a flight of what was called like the, the Dixiecrats, um, who were Southern Democrats that uh, were like who you would. Just, they were the worst. Yeah, just, they were, yeah. They were the worst. Uh, They fled to the Republican Party, um, which caused an exodus from the Republican Party, um, and the two parties swapped ideologically. So, in Teddy Roosevelt's time, the Democrats of that era are the Republicans of today. So, it's very funny that the Democrats of that era were fractured and could not settle on a speaker, and the uh, Republicans of that era, which are the Democrats of today, were like, we're just going to sit back and let this happen.
0: I mean, the, the, the party's ideology on both sides really have, have changed so much, like even since that switch. Sure. Uh, and I think the the Republicans have changed the most cause they, you know, they're, they're not the party of Lincoln, not the party of Roosevelt. They are not the party of Reagan anymore. No, like, they're really not. They're, I, I, I don't know what they are. They've They're attacked so hard to the right. It's 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 amazingly extreme. Yes. Um, which is not isolated to just here in the U.S. There, there's a rise in global right-leaning extremism. Yes. Which I think bears looking into. Like, this is a problem on the global stage. What is happening globally? Like, what what is happening? What are people truly upset about that they think this radical that they're gravitating towards this this radical like populism
1: capitalism that's the problem like Forgot. it's it's capitalism and it's because capitalism and and particularly late stage capitalism has infected even our politics and so many uh so many politicians are are bought and paid for by uh by capitalistic entities the fact that nothing gets done um is not a bug; it's a function of that. It's you know, like the this is a diatribe for another day. Like I, you know, uh, <laughs> we've we've been going on for a little more than an hour now, and me talking about why uh, late stage capitalism is what's driving the populist movement um, is is uh, definitely a conversation for another day. But I, I mean, at, truly, that's what it is: is uh, global democracies are frozen um, a lot of it having to do with corruption and uh, because of the capitulations that we have made to late-stage capitalism instead of living in um, smooth slow sustained economic growth we go through these boom and bust cycles and every bus cycle more and more people get hurt and so when that happens and they look to their government to help them and the government's like you know gonna have to side with the bank on this one um that's that, and it's. I made this argument a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to stand by it. It's, it's not all politics. It's all economics. And um, yeah, we we'll, we'll, we can we can deconstruct that more at a later date. Well, and for more examples of that,
0: uh, again, I'm going back to this uh, amazing biography I'm rereading. Ah, perfect. Is, uh, you know, it details the incredible amount of like blatant corruption. Yes. Happening in the um, Albany legislature. Yes. And and the uh,
1: intense wealth stratification of that era,
0: yeah. And I mean, and don't get me wrong, like Roosevelt came from a wealthy family. He did. He yep. he was, and he was kind of a snob. Uh, yes, he was. B- and politics were regard- regarded as kind of like a, a dirty. Oh, interesting. A, a dirty thing. He's, they were like, okay. "You're going to politics? Like, really? Like, <laughs> come on. You can you could be, not do that." Um, but the the hurdles he faced from the especially corrupt Democrats, but even also like Republicans as well that would take the bribe. And it's, it's broken down to between bribery or blackmail. Yeah. You know, it was bribery where these different, you know, financial interests are like, Hey, we would really like to see this go through. Can you sure. pave the way for us or blackmail where the assembly would be like, Hey, it's a really nice deal you got going on here. Be shamed if I pass some laws to, to, to cut that out yep uh, yeah and it was something that just infuriated roosevelt to sure. no end uh which is something i i have always appreciated and respected and uh we need to get back to that <laughs> we need to get back to a time where uh people need to really try to do good for the people and yeah.
1: that's, uh be willing to get into a fight over it like frankly that's, that's not gonna happen <laughs> It just it just won't like we live in such awful corporate capture. But um, it's it's just it's th- there is no way back until um, uh, capital's influence on politics has ended. And that's I
0: was so worried that we would end this podcast without your classic. Uh, Late stage capitalist hellscape. Oh, no, yes. no, no, no. We got there. <laughs> I, was, I was worried. <laughs> yeah, That's why why we dragged this episode out. I was like, you didn't say it yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh well now that now that we've ticked that box um yeah i think we've i think that's the week for now right
0: that is the week god forbid something happens in the next two days i know it's like come on work with us people
1: (laughs) (laughs) some of us only have time to record once a week we can't be doing this every single day right
0: yeah oh my god can you imagine us trying to do (laughs) a daily a daily what happened today uh crazy shit i gotta go make lasagna bye yeah, exactly yeah
1: <laughs> all right well that's the show this week ladies and gentlemen
0: that's the show thank you as always for listening folks like comment surprise 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 us with a like us. Or comment yeah questions thoughts concerns all that good stuff i'm probably gonna go get a coffee
1: wonderful that sounds fantastic i might get a second one
0: i <laughs>